If you're enjoying this content and you want to go deeper, we have an amazing resource that we want to tell you about. It's the intentional film series, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. Now, this is an incredible tool for you for spiritual formation in the family. And we created this film series to help parents in their God-given task to raise and disciple their own children. Now, our hope is that we're able to help you and give you some of the tools that I know we so desperately need as we're in the process of raising our kids and Phil and Diane have actually raised their kids. This is a nine session film series on the process of what raising a passionate Jesus follower actually looks like. There's some workable solutions in here. There's a bunch of wisdom from the scriptures and there's a bunch of practical help in your journey as you are raising your children. We cover all sorts of things like parental roles, goals versus values. What is discipline versus punishment? How do I create a heart of obedience in my child where they actually want to obey? What is a heart of self-control look like? Or how do I even help my child in the process of character development? We cover that and so many more things. You can use this film series in a variety of ways. You can use it at your home, preferably with your spouse if that's applicable, with a group of friends or in your community, or even through your local church. All you need to do is head over to our website, intentionalparents.org, click on film series, and then follow the prompts. We have a bunch of other resources there that you can check out, but we do pray that this blesses you in your pursuit of raising passionate Jesus followers. Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. All right, welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Thank you to everybody who has rated the podcast Today's June 1st, and we know that we have not gotten to that rating of a thousand on Apple Podcast, and that's okay because you still have an opportunity uh, to rate the podcast. So if you haven't had a chance to just rate the podcast and leave a comment, please do so. Take 10 seconds right now. It's been such a gift to be able to read these comments and see how this little thing that we do actually impacts people, and uh, we just want to say thank you so much. And Elizabeth and I are here today, and I know you're so appreciative of them as you've been reading some of the comments. How have those hit you? Yeah, you know, so often we're, you know, sitting in a room, usually the four of us with microphones, and it's just us, and we're praying that the Spirit would fill our words, fill what we talk about, and that He would use it to bless people. But you never really know until you start reading some of the comments and so they just feel like fuel to keep doing what we're doing and um, and honestly, it just feels like answered prayer to us as we're just asking the Spirit to do a work through this. You know, we're just mm-hmm. four average people. Brooke and I are right in the thick of it doing life and parenting like all of you guys are who are listening. 
And so it's not that we have something exceptional to say, but you know, when the spirit decides to move through something or through people, then it speaks to people's lives. So Yes. To me, it yeah. just feels like really encouraging to read those. Yeah. So, and, and thank you for rating it and, and leaving those comments. Both those are really helpful. Um, yeah. And if anybody doubts what we're saying, we, I don't know, was this last Saturday the worst Sabbath we've ever had? <laughs> yes. Was it the worst or? Pretty much the worst. I think we started with a good warm up at breakfast of an argument <laughs> and then it went, I think by Sunday night, I was like, I can't, I think I said this to you. I was like, I can't wait for this day to be over. I'm like mm-hmm. so ready to move on to the next day. And even when we were at church the next day, I was talking to my buddy, Andrew, who we lead the church church with. He's like, how's your weekend? I was like, next topic. Like we can't, and I think he asked you the same thing and you're like, oh no. Well, was, we fought all day. Yeah, it wasn't, it was not the best. So anyway, we are in the middle of all this, <laughs> figuring this all out with you. So if you had a bad weekend or you had an ideal weekend and, or wanted to, but didn't have that just know you're not alone. This is uh, our life too. Uh, today we wanted to talk about a topic uh, which I know has really impacted Elizabeth and I's life and something we deal with on a pretty every single day basis. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> instead of pretending that we don't, we figured we would talk about it. And there's these two concepts which everybody has heard and knows about. Um, but we want to take a second to talk about perfectionism and its cousin idealism. And I feel like I can hear everybody say, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and really talk about how that impacts our marriages, how it impacts our parenting and how it p- impacts how you live. Because, you know, I, I don't know. Um, everyone's going to have a different understanding of this or maybe you're unaware of how this impacts you or maybe you're a person that is both uh, you're neither an ideal or perfectionist. And so that might not actually uh, be the biggest deal to you. But that said, there's still a lot of truth, no matter if you uh, live in these two ideals or not, or live in this mindset. And so uh, we want to talk about that today. And we came across, um, I think, Elizabeth, you came across this quote. And it was really helpful because I don't often think of idealism as a big deal. I'm an idealistic person by nature very ideal and and you are as well which mm-hmm. both uh i think in one sense is good and then in other sense it's like it's not good and the quote um that we came across was from Carl Jung and it and this is the quote it's just really simple every form of addiction is bad and everyone goes yeah i know that so every form of addiction is bad no matter whether the narcotic be alcohol or morphine or idealism and when you read that to me, mm-hmm. and I just remember thinking, oh, no, I didn't think this was potentially a problem. But as you say that, I'm wondering, oh, no, is this is this potentially a, a problem or something that, you know, I maybe don't see as well or as clearly. But, uh, yeah, what were your thoughts when you first read that quote? I mean, it felt like <laughs> knife to the heart because I know that I'm highly idealistic and perfectionistic. And while you said, yeah, that can like help you accomplish things and have vision and get things done, it also has a huge backsided weakness because the reality is our lives are not perfect. Our ideals don't come out exactly how we wanted them to or thought they were going to. And if we fight overly hard to have it all work out the way we've thought up in our own (laughs) little world of our mind then we can do a lot of damage to the people around us. 
and be less open to what God might be wanting those ideals to be and what he might be wanting to do with us. And I think as our kids have gotten older, I've just seen the unintentional damage that I can easily do to my own kids of wanting them to be my ideal, wanting the day to go how I planned it to go, wanting my kids to be uh, just different than they actually are and how just easily damage can be done. And I think, you know, a lot of you listening can immediately resonate and say, yes, I'm a perfectionist or I can be highly idealistic. But even if that isn't your natural bent, which I think so many of us are just hardwired that way, I'm hardwired that way, that's not going to necessarily change. But even if you're not naturally wired that way, I think this whole concept of perfection and being this ideal Christian is so pervasive in the church. And we've kind of been fed this constant um, just dialogue of we need to be better, we need to be perfect. Like it's become often our faith can become just about morality and living up to this perfect ideal when that's so far from the heart of Jesus. He knows that we are not perfect. Right. Like, so I think we can all relate to this, whether that's your natural wiring or whether you've grown up in the church and you've kind of gotten this constant subtle message of Mm -hmm. you're not good enough. You need to be better. Yeah. And, and I would, I would also say why that's hard because you and I approach perfectionism and idealism differently. Mm -hmm. Like I know that, uh, idealism around who we want our kids to be, right? Like you can have this, we want this kind of family ideally or we want this kind of marriage ideally Mm -hmm. and one of the hardest things um and i know we're in it and many people listening is the is the reality that a lot of the things that are your ideals or maybe even dreams aren't always rooted in reality of who you are or who you are yet Mm -hmm. and that's hard too because you like talk about disappointment like (laughs) constantly seeing your life and going i'm not the husband i want to be like And that's true. Like I'm sitting here going like, there's some things I've had some like wins, but I've had a lot of like disappointments and going, oh, I'm still like in such major process. And it's taking so much time to become this man that uh, I feel God wants me to be. But to your point, you know, about how we grow up and we're fed this idea that comes from, I mean, think about Matthew 5, uh, 48, uh, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about confusing. Like, this is a little confusing. Mm-hmm. So, w- well, and I think like we were made for perfection because we were made for the garden before the fall. Like, we were hardwired for a perfect world, for everything being conflict free and beautiful and peaceful and no anxiety and no sin. Like, we are hardwired for perfection. And so, often I feel like us perfectionists are super hard on ourselves, which is 100% true. But I think if we can <laughs> to like zoom out and look at the big yeah. picture and realize that no, our like bodies and souls and spirits were not made for the imperfect world that we now inhabit. And so what do we do with that? How do we function yeah. amongst all of the imperfection without trying yeah, to yeah. constantly be perfecting, knowing that it won't be perfect this side of heaven? Yeah. And that's where I think the best question that we have been asking ourselves, I think we ask in that situation is what does Jesus mean by perfect? Yeah. Because he does say really clearly, he teaches all of this stuff in Matthew 5. And then he says the very last verse of that chapter 
is be perfect. Literally, those are the words. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And so uh, what does it mean to be holy or perfect? And I, I've been, I was reading recently and came across um, the two different mindsets of this word perfect. And it has been so enlightening, helpful, encouraging, all the above for me. Um, but there's two different concepts. There's the Greek ideal or the Greek idea of perfect. And then there's a the Hebrew one. So uh, in the Greek ideal, to be perfect is to basically have no deficiencies. Uh, you would have no faults or no flaws. Sounds great, right? Um, but but perfection in the Greek mind, it means to measure up essentially to some ideal standard to be complete, whole, true, and good. It's basically to be perfect in the Greek mindset is to never sin. Mm -hmm. Now, that's what often when I read that verse, that's mm -hmm. what I think. I go, yeah. I have to never sin. But then I'm like met with this real problem. I wake up in the morning, I'm two minutes in <laughs> and I have the wrong response or I say the wrong thing or like I, you know, or whatever. It, it, sometimes I make it an hour. What? Right. But like, it's pretty easy to immediately go, oh, I like am not following this. But then, so that's the Greek end. But then you have the Hebrew ideal. And I know you're grabbing your Bible right now, honey, but um but then you have the Hebrew ideal of perfection and it's quite different. And this is really where I just, if you're listening, just, just like pay attention for a second. Cause this is where the gold is. This is where the help is. This is where the mm -hmm. like big sigh of relief comes. Uh, because in the Hebrew ideal of perfection, it simply means to walk with God despite our flaws. Mm. Perfection essentially means being in the divine presence in spite of the fact that you're not perfectly whole and you're not good and you're not true or you're maybe not as beautiful, right? I And I know that for me, I was raised in the concept of holiness that it's very much shaped by the Greek ideal uh, of perfection. And this idea that to be perfect means to not sin. But wow, what a gift that in the Hebrew idea, that mindset is to simply say that we're walking with God despite our flaws that's mm. what perfect that's what perfection is and so upon reading that and upon understanding that and adjusting it talk about like a gift that jesus gives us he says listen walk with me despite all that stuff going on within you um but yeah I, how for you elizabeth honey how how did that like play out because i know i grew up and this isn't something anybody ever said to me it's yeah. the it's the air that we breathe it's the culture that mm -hmm. we even christian culture uh portrays because holiness is true and integrity is important and living a pure life is good and right and true mm -hmm. but at the same time there's always that pendulum but what are your thoughts well i just was thinking like i think so often we are looking at like what we want to achieve in our own walk with Jesus in our parenting, in our homes. And we've set the bar like so high of like, like what you're saying, like the Greek level of perfection, like actually being totally perfect that then the minute we start to fail, it's like we give up. We're like, there's, well, there's no chance. I, I can't, I can't even reach it. Or for me, I will like believe the lie that if I'm not a perfect mom, then I'm not a good mom. But the reality is of what you're saying is so freeing of like the point is the day in and the day out of walking with Jesus in spite of how many times I mess up, in spite of my own weakness or the own our own brokenness in our families and sickness and all of the things that are broken, 
It's continuing to walk with Jesus in spite of that and with that. And to me, I just think like the key to that is confession. And I know we're, I'm jumping the gun. We're going to get to this. We're, we're going to get to it. Don't rush but it. of like, you know, when I see what actually makes me feel connected to my kids it's not when I'm the perfect mom, when I'm like perfectly joyful and perfectly patient and overlooking all of their flaws and the trying really hard version of me. It's when I make a mistake and I look them in the eye and say, I'm so sorry, mommy lost your temper. I have to say this one a lot. <laughs> really, I've practiced a lot of saying this one. Mommy lost your temper and I'm really sorry. I took my anger out on you. Will you please forgive me? Like that is more healing and producing what I actually want to see happen in my home than me trying really, really hard to not mess up. Mm -hmm. That doesn't teach my kids anything. No. In fact, it does the opposite. It creates, a, it reinforces. Uh, you know, it's it was so interesting. Um, don't worry, this isn't a rabbit trail. Although if it is, there's permission, but I'm giving myself permission as I'm breaking the rules. Um, so I, I've been like connected with this idea that everybody in the world, even the people you wouldn't assume, uh, need parents to just be parents to them. And and I, what I mean by that is like the very normal parents. So like mm -hmm. what you're talking about, showing them how to ask for forgiveness by leading that by example. Um, I was recently watching an interview. Um, oh, what is that thing on Netflix? Uh, it's... Uh, my next guest needs no introduction or something like that with David Letterman oh, or yeah. whatever. I was watching the one with Ryan Reynolds and it was fascinating because you, the whole interview, if you watch this interview, he is trying the whole time to reconcile that he wished his dad was not, you know, the version that he was, he was able to articulate, man, I have this massive like need for, I wish my dad would have just talked with me about girls and about the sex talk and about uh and and like would have just taken a second to be able to rejoice in some of my success and mm. to be able to like be present with my grand with with my daughters as his granddaughters and you could just see this man just aching for a dad that would have just sat down with him for 2 seconds and mm -hmm. actually said son I love you and what he said was so interesting he said I just really wanted him. And this this was so surprising because we talk about this in Christian circles, but this is like a human thing. He mm -hmm. said, all I really wanted him to do was to sit down and look at me and say something. And I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing now, but to say something along the lines of, wow, how are you doing? How did that situation make you mm -hmm. feel? Because when I was a kid, this is what I went through. And that's how that made me feel. Mm -hmm. And that was like his deepest longing. Deepest and longing. then And then when he started making movies... The movies that he he actually started producing, it all had these characters in him that had a parental figure doing the very thing that he wished his dad would do. Hmm. So I, I just say that that example that you're talking about of showing our kids getting down on one knee, sorry, mommy lost your temper again. It's a human need that makes a massive difference. Mm -hmm. it, it is all the difference in the world. And I think sometimes we can just go, that doesn't really matter. What is the big deal about me acknowledging that I messed up? Our kids have to see not only that we messed up, but like how that makes us 
feel when we mess up, that mm -hmm. we actually show remorse, like, gosh, I'm so sorry for having that perspective or that attitude or that word. And that God forgives over and over and over again. And that God is not looking for us to be perfect. Yeah. He's looking for us to come to him with all of our imperfection and say, will you help me? Yeah. And I think, you know, so often it feels like there's this disconnect between you know, we, we want to be really good parents and we want to instill all these things in our kids. And it's so easy to forget that the best way we can do that is to walk with Jesus ourselves. It's not about having this formula of like, I got to make sure I read the Bible enough to my kids and they memorize scripture and do all these things. All of those are really good things. I'm not saying don't do those things. They're great. But if you aren't first having that relationship to Jesus where you're saying, yeah, I'm not perfect, but I have a God who loves me so much in spite of my flaws, and I'm going to continue to bring him my imperfection every single day, and every day I hope to become a little bit more like him and a little bit more like him. There is so much power in that, not only in our own lives, like for our own self personally, but that is what infects our marriages and our parenting and our extended family and the relationships around us. And I know we say this all the time, but it's because it's that important. It's not separate from our parenting life and our friendship life and our marriage life. It is like what all of that flows from, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, well, it absolutely does. So if we understand the Hebrew mindset of perfection, which is walking with God, despite our flaws, mm -hmm. what a gift and permission that we can give ourselves. And oftentimes we know this from, I know that we know this very personally from therapy individually and together, that when you don't give yourself grace, you don't often then give mm -hmm. out grace. You don't show people grace. So let's talk about how, <laughs> bro, this is, uh, if you don't want to go here, just say a pass. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about how perfectionism plays out in our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or like, how does that play out in marriage? I mean, we can use generalities, but at the same time, I, I haven't thought of an exact example yet, but, um, but that idea of like perfectionism and also then I, I think the cousin, like we said, idealism, because what happens when you get married um, and you find this thing out, or not find the thing out, but like your spouse isn't always the exact ideal version that you had. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we've all experienced this. If you're married, you've experienced this, that moment where you're like, whoa, that's not very becoming. I don't love that part of them. <laughs> and that part's like, that could use some changing and that could use some fixing. But what does that do? I'd love to hear your thoughts, honey. Um, but what does that do to a marriage? Because when you have these ideals and, and I think that like even jumps into expectations when you have mm -hmm. these big expectations on somebody to be something, maybe you haven't even communicated that that's what you want, but how many of us are living under or how many of you are like having these maybe even unknown ideals or, or, um, expectations upon your spouse and they're never able to measure up and they're like crushed under the weight of your expectation that they don't mm -hmm. even know about. Right. Yeah. Because that's where that goes. That's where that mm -hmm. often goes. But what are your thoughts on that? Well, I just was thinking like, if you're wanting an example of what that looks like <laughs> for us, no, I think, and I think this is probably universal in a lot of marriages where you know, I think sometimes the longer you're married and the more you know your spouse, it's so easy to look past all the things 
that they do that are good. And I'm like the worst at this. So Brooke, feel free to nod your head. <laughs> Um, I wasn't asking you to like air your laundry, but I'm no, fine but to I mean, But I am bad at this of to like neglect being vocal about those things and instead only notice the things that we wish that each other would change. And it ends up leaving the other person feeling like none, none of the things that they do well or are really putting effort into matter. And we can nitpick the only things that we wish our spouse was doing better because we have this perfectionistic, idealistic view of who that person should be, what that marriage should be, how that person should be responding to hardship in their lives. And usually it's we're expecting the person to be like us, mm -hmm. which never works. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, can you hand me my phone real quick? I feel like this would be a great moment to call your dad. Uh, <laughs> let's call him. Let's call him right now. Uh, we've never done this on the podcast before. So if you hate this, I'm so sorry, but Phil doesn't know that I'm about to call him, but he's so jovial. Uh, I bet you he'll answer and I'll tell him he's on the podcast. Let's see. Let's put him on speaker. I'm so curious what you're about to do right now. I'm going to ask him this question. I want to know what his response is. <laughs> I'm going to tell him he's, this will be fun. He'll, he'll love this. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, you're on the podcast right now. I have you right next to my microphone. And Elizabeth and I were talking and we were talking about like how crushing expectations in marriage aren't helpful. And I just wanted to know if you had any verses or thoughts about expectations within marriage and what that does or doesn't do. So I know you're on the fly right now, but give us your thoughts. Crushing expectations. You mean like expectations you have and it didn't happen and it was crushing? Uh, basically like what, what, <laughs> this is real life family guys. Uh, basically what your thoughts are on how improper expectations in marriage affect your marriage. Oh, I see. Okay. So a verse or, or any of your thoughts or any of your thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Improper expectations. Yes. Uh, crush your marriage. Any thoughts and then any verses? Um, why don't you think of the thoughts? I'll think of the verse. Well, I think you, you know, the verse is even my God shall supply all your needs yeah. in Christ Jesus. As looking to each other to supply needs is. Yeah, I think that's the goal you want to say there is that in marriage, if you go in to receive. To, to receive all your satisfaction from your spouse instead of from the Lord, then you're going to be disappointed because only Jesus can satisfy your soul. There is a psalm that says that. I can go find it really quick if you want. No, I um, yeah, I do. I You're actually on the podcast now. I'm recording this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Diane likes to say we've learned this after 40 plus years of marriage that we do better when each of us takes on the responsibility for the other one to thrive. Yes. Like by then you know what what she needs to like today she just threw out her back because oh. I knew she was pushing too far, you know, because of her work ethic, her waterman work ethic, and I kept saying, Baby you should not be lifting that and, and then sends her back to now she's in pain. Anyway, but I knew that she wasn't gonna thrive. <laughs> Even though she's a harder worker than me and this kind of stuff. But um yeah. Uh that's great. Yeah, Jesus is the one who satisfies the deepest longings of our soul. 
And he, yes. and, and the whole thing about marriage is, is the husband is the Christ figure who's to lay down his life and yeah. the wife is to bear and honor and, um, uh, treat her husband with honor as, as the church is to Christ. And so I think that none of that implies I'm disappointed because I didn't get what I hoped I was going to get from you. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't real things that need to be talked talked about in marriage, but it's talked about because you know the whole marriage passage starts with submit one to another, which means you're both equals in God's sight. Yes. And so you know, praying together about it. Anyway, those are some of my yes. thoughts. Yes. Oh. See if the queen has anything to say. The queen. When we first started our marriage, I really did uh, was under the, thinking the lie that I think most of us think of when we get married that Phil was my Prince Charming who was going to come in on his white horse. And, and he just, fell off his horse. And he fell off his horse. <laughs> <laughs> his horse knocked me off my horse. <laughs> I had to deal with the disappointment that I had this incredibly godly man who absolutely loved me and he still did not satisfy me. Hmm. There's just a voracious need inside of me that there isn't a human being on this earth that could fully satisfy. And once I figured that out, it just took all the pressure off of Phil, but mostly even off of me and my expectations of Phil and just made us much happier people. Wouldn't you say, Phil? Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Oh. Even after day, we're exhausted. We have our trusty dog at our feet. I was going <laughs> to say, are you? did we catch you guys on a walk? Well, no, no. I'm getting ready to back up the 26 foot truck that you're going to drive, <laughs> and we have so much stuff that we're going to have to run another truck to get. But it's worth it because we're coming to be with you guys. Oh well, so. I'm glad that. Well, we haven't shared the family update, but there's a big family update coming, and it has to do with a moving truck. So we'll we'll share more on the next podcast. Phil, Diane, we love you very much. We're going to finish this podcast now, but we just wanted to get your wisdom because. <laughs> We're family, and this is how it works. It's just how we do it. And Elizabeth's right here. She wants. I think. Were you going to say something, honey? No, I was going to help you end the call. <laughs> oh, she's. Oh, she's all business today, man. She goes, get rid of my parents. I got work to do. No, no, no. <laughs> so good. Okay, bye. Love you. Love bye. Love you. Bye. All right. Uh, thanks for everyone for going on that fun experiment. Uh, it's like phone a friend. It, yeah. Totally. What's totally. Their, no, what's I love that though. That was so good, and I think everything they said. I was thinking applies both to marriage and to the expectations we have on our kids of yeah. thinking that if they turn out the way that we're wanting or if the day goes the way that we've planned, then it will satisfy us. Or, you know, I know so often us moms can go, I think maybe less so dads, but us moms can go into motherhood thinking that having a baby and having kids is going to satisfy us. Yeah. And then we're rudely awakened to the fact that it's not going to satisfy us. Actually, there it could enter us into some really lonely years where we are growing at a rapid pace, but it's painful and it's difficult and it's not what we thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where I think so many, many of our ideals can be crushing. Like I think that is the right word. Mm -hmm. Where and I I want to be careful here to not say that having some of those ideals is is failure and then that them not working out is failure because it's not because i think there's this beautiful redemption and softening and breaking that happens when those ideals don't turn out 
Because if all of our ideals are met, if the perfection that we're longing for happens, mm -hmm. then my natural tendency, at least, is to pat myself on the back and say, man, I did a really good job. <laughs> Everything I worked really hard for actually worked out versus when it all doesn't go how I'd planned, when I try really hard and my kids still have a terribly bad day, it forces me to a deeper dependence on Jesus, just like that, the Hebrew meaning of perfection. Like it yeah. forces me into that. Mm -hmm. And how I'm wired, I don't have, I'm not the kind of person that someone can be like, you know, you should really view it this way, or maybe you should try this. I kind of have to be like forced into, I have to fail big time or, really have no more energy I, for something. I know. I know you're nodding your head. It's so <laughs> I true. This. I know that to be true of you. No, I think that what you're saying is really good. And um, yeah, I don't, I, expectation is a part of idealism in, in one sense or another. And how that plays out with your, your kids. I remember the first time I had to really accept, like, I don't know ultimately who my kids are going to become. I have no mm -hmm. idea. Yeah. I have some real hopes. I have some real dreams. I have some real uh, prayers and all that, but mm -hmm. I also have really no idea how it's going to play out and yeah. who they're going to become. And a shocking lack of control over. Oh yeah, all but of I, that. I remember. You know, we've talked about it here, but with Duke's sickness, but also with Birdie's uh, trajectory change, like when mm -hmm. she was six months old and she was perfectly healthy, and healthy, and then she wasn't, and her whole mm -hmm. life has been changed. And the other day, I can't remember who I was talking to, um, but it was a conversation around like. The person that she is, is so special to me. Her, mm -hmm. the things that she moves through the world and the way she thinks and the way she looks at the world and her beautiful innocence and what she brings to the world. I don't know what the other version was, but I don't know if I would want it. Yeah. I don't know if I would have wanted it. And so even accepting some of the fact that those ideals for your kids, you know, when you meet, when you, when you come across a situation just this afternoon, I was talking to um, a guy. Um, Sebastian, if you're listening or Chloe, if you're listening, uh, you know, they, they just had their second little one, uh, Bodie, I think his name has had terrible, terrible health complications. And if you are a person and you're alive and you're hearing this, pray for little Bodie and for Sebastian and Chloe, but, um, you know, just realizing like, whoa, there's this baby born, there's supposed to be this joy, but there's just, it's not that it's really hard. You know, your ideals in that moment are crushed because you had these thoughts for what this was going to be mm. and it's completely now broken and changed and and of course we see the other side eventually that there's redemption and there's beauty mm. but not for not right now yeah like tonight they have to put that little one to bed with a feeding tube and you have to go is this actually going to be ever turn out you know mm -hmm. to be the way that we would hope that it is yeah or the way that we would want it to be and so um all that said i think it's important for all of us to be in that space and and really, you know, one of the things I also just want, I think it'd be important for us to, to mention is what happens or what are some of the dangers? I think it'd be important for us to highlight because mm -hmm. we're talking about this. What are some of the dangers that happens uh, if you kind of have that idealism or perfectionism uh, in your marriage or with your family? Um, because such a concept, obviously, uh, of perfection, the Greek side of it, uh, has a really nasty underside because nobody measures up. Nobody mm -hmm. in our families measures up your spouse doesn't your kids don't so so you know what are some of the actual dangers one of the things i think you were going to mention something about mental health right something about 
Yeah, well, what that, I, as, as a parent, right? I did a quick little Google search before we started recording. <laughs> I think I Googled like dangers of being a perfectionistic parent <laughs> and lots of articles by psychologists and psychiatrists came up and they all actually had like similar lists of what can happen and don't let this scare you. But I just feel like this is important for us. <laughs> if you to, have like, to say that, it's going to no, be terrifying. I, well, yeah, keep going. Just brace yourself. Um, but often the result of, of that happens when you are raised by a perfectionistic parent is suppressing your emotions, shame, addiction, perfectionism, oftentimes perfectionists raise perfectionists, tension, trouble with criticism, people pleasing, and trouble with intimate relationships. And I share that, again, not to like scare us, but I think awareness is key, right? Like mm -hmm. if you know that you're like me, who's wired hardcore for perfectionistic tendencies and idealism. Well, I have to be aware of that with my kids because I have some that are already, I can see wired that way and some that are very much not. And that's a beautiful gift. And I have to decide and, and pray for wisdom to find the balance between like, for example, okay, like them doing their chores. A high value in our family is we want to teach our kids to do things with excellence, right? Like we want them to know how to really clean a bathroom and not just halfway clean a bathroom. I think this is more of your value than yeah, mine. Yeah, maybe it's, it's more my value. It's not a bad value. I, I appreciate the value, but I don't necessarily know if I would sacrifice greatly for that value. But I, I do agree. Clean bathrooms are great. But. but I have to know and pray for discernment of when is it really just good enough? Because good enough to me in my own mind for the longest time was like a swear it's word. Fail, it's failure. Like <laughs> it's failure. If it, so, yeah. when someone says like just lower your expectation, that I just immediately feel like I'm gonna like have a panic attack. Like that's so stressful to me. But I've had to learn, especially over the last couple of years, that you know what? It's good enough, or I really am doing my best for this season. And for some people, that's super easy to say. For me, that's much harder to say. And I don't want my kids to be constantly feeling from me, even if I'm not saying it. What did what did we hear a therapist tell us that 90% of communication is nonverbal? Like that's huge. I don't think it was 90. I think we literally just had this in the same in a similar podcast because I think I heard it recently. And I think I said the same thing, which is I think 90 is a little high, but it's close. It's okay. like 70, 80, somewhere around there. Well, a lot it's a of lot. communication it's is nonverbal. It's a most of communication. Yeah, yeah it's a lot. But I'm having to constantly ask myself even recently, what am I communicating to my kids that they can never do anything good enough or that I'm okay with them trying their best, like doing the best they can. And I'm okay with them exactly how they are. And I'm okay with our one daughter who is naturally messy and I don't look down on her because she's naturally messy. I think she's probably always going to be naturally messy. And that's just, <laughs> she's creative. She's like constantly creating and yeah. not cleaning up after herself. <laughs> and I'm going to do my best to teach her to clean up after herself. But I want to celebrate the fact that she's creative and not nitpick the fact that she doesn't yeah. clean up after herself. And I'm not saying that I'm doing this perfectly or well. I'm using that as an example of like, I just think we have to have this awareness that if not brought to the feet of Jesus, our own tendencies for perfectionism and idealism and asking God to fill those voids for us and surrendering those outcomes to him. If we're not careful, we can do a well, lot of damage. Uh, the 
um, spiritual discipline, one that I've been practicing lately that has been incredibly helpful and very counter to the way that I necessarily would think is actually uh, the spiritual discipline of self-care, which Mm -hmm. is actually a spiritual discipline, which maybe you don't know, maybe you do. But one of the very key things in that discipline is to identify the things that you are doing to look at them and to pick the things that you can say, you know what, I am going to do this thing uh, well, but I'm not going to do it as I'm not going to be perfectionistic about it. Essentially, where can you say like good? Where can I say good enough? That's the phrase. And where can I actually say, you know what? That's not, it's not as hard as I could go. It's not as good as I could do if I put all this time in, Mm -hmm. but it's good enough. Because when you start that process of going past good enough, maybe you're going to get it to be like, it goes from 90% to 100. But that 10% gap takes maybe 60 to 70 more percent energy to Mm -hmm. get it. So like, yeah, it's good enough. But like, what are you sacrificing by getting it to where you want it to be? Are you proving something to somebody else, your spouse, yourself? What's that 10% about where you're dishonoring your Mm -hmm. own capacity? And that to me was an eye opener to go, oh, you know what? There's certain things that I have to just say, that's good enough. The other day, uh, we have a massive van (laughs) And you could live in it if you needed to. And so cleaning it is no small task. And I don't know how I got this task (laughs) given to me. I also don't know how I was the only one in the family that said, listen, I'm okay with having a dog for our children. I'm not naturally a dog lover. I don't, I never grew up with animals, so I do not have an abnormal affection for them. And there's nothing wrong with anybody that does. But that said, I am the one that cleans up after the dog. I'm the one that is constantly dealing with the messes that that dog makes. I still can't figure this out. I don't feel like it's right. I'm confessing it now so we can argue about I it think, later. I just think kidding. it's just your ideals, not your oh, ideals of not of having here. a dog. It's just oh, not happening. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're using this against me. Uh, anyway. So, for your formation, babe. It's for your formation. It's <laughs> never a good tool to use. This is for... I know you don't like this, but guess what? You're becoming a better human. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, that said, I don't know how I got the task of the van, but that thing is great and it gets our family around where they need to go. But like cleaning that thing's no joke. And so the other day I was uh, doing like the weekly or every other weekly cleaning kind of thing. And it was extra messy because we went on a trip and you, anybody knows you go on a trip with kids like goodbye car Mm -hmm. even if you're like we're not going to eat in the car which is completely unrealistic on a at least in our stage of life and if you can do that more power to you but we can't and so like obviously a mess and so i remember i looked i'm i'm reading this that morning about like pressing into self-care and i'm cleaning this van and we have the kind of floors that you can like literally mop in this thing it's great like you vacuum it and then it has like you can like uh mop the whole thing And I remember thinking, I'm going to mop this thing now and realizing like if I cross that line uh, and it was for me, it was mopping. Like if I take the time, which is it's not a small task, it will take a while. That is going to be the thing for me that pushes me over. That makes me irritable and edgy when the kids come out to say, Daddy, what are you doing? Can I see this? I'm going to be like, get out of here. I'm cleaning. (laughs) Like I'm your good father who's cleaning your your van, (laughs) right? Like the whole thing and being like this grump of a human and pushing past my own capacity. So mm. anyway, I think that's that's a very important thing that you're saying. And I think self-care and the spiritual discipline of that is important and how this plays on your kids. One of the thoughts that I had about marriage is, um, I think I said this before somewhere, but 
I'm talking about the thing that I know we've been learning and I've learned. I think it's more helpful or been more maybe connecting to me just as the way I'm wired is when you're idealistic in marriage, it can kind of lead to a consumer mindset in marriage. And basically, if my ideals are not being met by you and you're not being the type of spouse that you're supposed to be, then I don't have to be the type of spouse that I'm supposed to be because you're not you're not holding up your end. So that means I can take the gloves off and do whatever. But Jesus doesn't call us to that. He calls us to say, I'm going to be the type of spouse I'm supposed to be regardless of you being mm. the spouse you're supposed to be. And so I think we have to be careful of that. That's one, one of the things that it can lead to. Um, but also, as we know, there's there's hope, right? And so we just wanted to, before we wrap up today, we just wanted to give you three quick things um, and ways that if you are in this space of working through perfectionism and idealism and uh, ex, you know pr- improper or large expectations, uh, some of the things that you can do in the process to become aware of that and or what are some of the things to do to begin to bring healing to your own life, to your marriage, to your family. So honey, do you want to do you want to take the first one or do you want me to do that one? Yeah, no, I'll take it. The first one is just self-examine. Yeah. And even, you know, I think you've talked before about even just the prayer of examine and taking a minute and even just asking the spirit, like, spirit, where where am I overdoing this? And where am is my perfectionism and idealism? Where is it actually an attempt to control? Because so often for a lot of us, it's an attempt to control our anxiety. which looks a lot like controlling the other people around us, trying to control our circumstances, trying, 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 you know, Um, because like we talked about, we don't live in a perfect world. So to try to create this illusion of perfection, which really that's what it is, it's an illusion, Mm -hmm. this side of heaven. But instead saying, God, where where am I striving and where Mm -hmm. do you want to meet me in the middle of that? Where am I trying to just be this moral person and yet not allowing your spirit to actually change my heart and change my life. And even asking God, where is this negatively impacting mm-hmm. those I love most? My husband, my kids, where am I pushing them and causing them to strive because I'm not actually seeing them for who they am, who they are? And this is not like a shame-inducing inventory where you are just picking yourself apart. This is with the spirit. Yeah, that's very important. Saying, God, what what do you want me to know? And when you're doing that, if you hear shaming, if you hear condemnation, like that is not the voice of the spirit. That's the voice of the Mm. enemy. God's voice is gentle and it's quiet and it's loving and kind. And he leads us to repentance with his love, not by shaming us. Yeah, no. And that's a really important point. This isn't for you to find another critical problem with yourself. It's to look at where the spirit is leading you to be honest. It's, you know, self-examination, but self-awareness is a big part. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second thing that um, I think we'll really, we've just discerned and even our own process that will aid you in all of this is confession, Uh, (laughs) confessing this. As what it is, like uh, confessing it where it is sinful, where it has shown up, where it's been a, a type of addiction for you, maybe. Um, I think of Psalm 32, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, whose spirit there's no deceit. Um, in confession, it's just this beautiful opportunity for us to open ourselves to God within safety of his love so we can, you know, truly authentically seek transformation. That's the mm-hmm. idea of like, 
that's what confession does. It brings you once you're aware through self-examine, right? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, now I can bring this to confession and confession is really important. It's uh, James, you know, five confess your sins to one another that you may be healed, right? Mm -hmm. It brings healing into your life. So once you examine that, um, then asking God for healing and confessing that might be to your spouse, that might be to your children, that might be to a friend. But I think the point is that, um, the, the, the point is, and the truth is we all sin, right? Mm-hmm. Like we all sin, uh, sin in any way, in anything, it breaks relationship. It separates us from God. And that one of the things that I know, um, that is so helpful in the Hebrew mindset of perfection is that. It is not about missing the mark. It's about wake. It's about getting up when you fall down. It's getting up and saying, "God, mm-hmm. I have missed this." I, I remember the um, quote. I can't remember who it's from. If anybody cares to Google it, you can or check it out. But it was this phrase to sin bravely. What that meant was, um, when you sin, don't scurry about it. Don't hide it. Don't pretend that it's not there. Confess it immediately. Confess it with real words. Confess it with accuracy of what it is don't try to hide it so i think Mm -hmm. confession um is is super important then the last one and i know we'll both we'll both chat chat about but the last one thirdly is is just to learn to accept Mm -hmm. uh how do you break some of that perfectionism and idealism it's to start to accept who you are who you're not who your spouse is and who they're not Mm -hmm. who your kids are who they're not and really what your life is and what it's not. Because I know for us, this has been the thing that has been, I know I, I can say for me, and I, I know we've chatted about this in other spaces and we've done teachings on it and spoken mm-hmm. about it in, in different arenas for sure. Um, that acceptance is so helpful and it is so painfully hard, at least for me. Mm-hmm. It is so oh, yeah. incredibly hard. But a lot of us, you know, the thing that, always goes through my mind with this acceptance thing is so often when you don't want to accept something, what you often do is you, you continually pray for a miracle and you're going, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. And sometimes God goes, yes. But then what do you do when you're praying for a miracle and God says no? And what I know I've begun to realize is many of us are praying for a miracle when God is actually calling us to manage. He's not saying, Hey, I'm giving you a miracle right now. He's saying, actually, I'm calling you to manage this situation because it's going to teach you the depths of character that I can only teach you through managing this really hard process. It's going to be the thing that is actually going to build you up. And so if you are praying for a miracle, I would say two things. One, keep praying. And two, ask the question, God, are you asking me to manage this situation, this pain, this this situation? Uh, And when we accept it, it actually brings the possibility of management. We actually can go, okay, I can manage this thing because I'm looking at it through Jesus's eyes and looking at it realistically. And it's not this passive thing. It's an active acceptance. What are your thoughts, honey? Yeah, well, I just I just been thinking about James one verse two that we've all heard. But maybe I don't I don't know. just feel like this conversation makes me look at it in a different light. But Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that (laughs) the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And that idea of what you just said of like accepting what is before you, whatever the hard thing is, we all have hard things in our lives, whether it's just a continuous mild hard or an acute hard yeah. We all face hard things. 
and this is not talking about consider it joy when the trial's over or consider it joy joyful because something hard is happening. No, it's what the hard thing is actually producing in you. Yeah. And it's the perfection that we're talking about. It's the thing that brings you closer to Jesus. It's the thing that is redeeming you. Mm. It is the thing that is probably act actually producing something good and beautiful in yourself, in your family. And I'm not, I don't say that to like not some hard things are just hard, but the beauty of God's redemption and that scripture that says he turns all things together for good. That's all things things that were mm. never meant to be good, things mm -hmm. that God did not cause, things that were done to you. Like he has the power to cause good to come out of all of those things. That just amazes me. Yeah. That no matter how imperfect or not ideal something is, yeah. God has the power to do something good and beautiful with it. But I think what we've both come to know is the first step in allowing God the, to begin the process of doing something beautiful and good Oof. takes us taking our own brokenness, our own disappointment, our own crushed ideals and bringing them to Jesus and saying, okay, God, like I accept and I believe that you can do something out of this. Help me to just do this today. Yes. Help me to just stay in it today. Yes. And that's hard and it's so beautiful at the same time because when we can do that we can actually be connected and present to what god's actually doing what the people in our life actually need the the kids that are actually in our home and what they need from us and the parents that we actually are our own like you already said it our own limitations we talk about that a lot <laughs> because i think so often we're trying to be this <laughs> ideal of a human you know to have all this drive, to run the business, to have the perfect home, to do all the things, to be perfectly fit all the time, to be this ideal. Are you trying to say something? <laughs> no. <laughs> Are these your ideals being enforced upon me I've through this lots conversation? Of ideals. Lots and lots of ideals. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, but the idea being that we it's through. We, we can't mm -hmm. go around. It's through that process yeah. that, that beauty comes. And I, I know that... I want to become more and more appealing and beautiful, not physically, but, but through suffering well. And mm -hmm. you meet those people that they have this glow at the end of life or yeah. even in midlife. You're like, what is going on? Like, what is that about? And you realize they've just surrendered their whole life to Jesus. They've stepped through. They haven't been perfect, but they've been faithful. They've got mm -hmm. up every time they've fallen over. And if you've fallen over, in your marriage this week, or if you've fallen over as a parent this week, or if you're single and you've fallen over in your relationships or your work this week, may we just encourage you uh, to follow what Jesus it gives us an example to do is just to get back up, to repent, to confess, to examine, and to accept where you're at. Um, just to close us with a verse, uh, Hebrews 2.10 kind of wraps this all up for us. And uh, we'll end here today, but you can press into this more if you'd like. But it says this, for now, he towers above all creation, for all things exist through him and for him. And this is the crazy part right here in a second. And that God made him pioneer of our salvation. So Jesus is the one that rescues us. And this is the phrase. Uh, God made him pioneer of our salva salvation, perfect through his sufferings. For this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry. First is to give. Intentional Parents is a nonprofit and we rely on the generous giving of our partners. So please head over to our website, intentionalparents.org slash give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving. Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families.